testify. Come up in the spot looking extra fly. For the day I die, I'ma touch the sky. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. You might remember the popular worldwide series of Mr. Men children's books by British author Roger Hargreaves. The 1971 series featured brightly colored characters that had names based on their personality, like Mr. Tickle and Mr. Happy. Then in the 80s came the Little Miss Ladies. Little Miss Bossy and Little Miss Brainy were among them. These simple stories show that every part of someone's personality has a purpose. Well, fast forward a few decades and those books have inspired a parody series featuring characters cooked up in the mind of author and humorist Dan Zevin, who's joining me in the studio today. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. Also joining me here is Tim Rosmus, a Fordham University graduate who helped brainstorm the new books with Dan. Good morning. Good morning. So I have to ask Dan, what made you want to come up with a parody to the Mr. Men and Little Miss series creations? Well, when I used to read the original series to my kids when they were a little younger, uh, the parent in me was always thinking, wow, these are such great books. They're teaching my kids how to behave like human beings. But the humorist in me was thinking, wow, these would be really funny parodies aimed at adults. I just, that's just the way my mind works. So while you were reading them when they were young, and how old are your kids now? Well, my son Leo is now 12, and my daughter Josie is 9. Because they were really, really little the last time yeah, you were here. We were yeah, talking about your, your book that you wrote. Yep. So now Dan gets up. a minivan, yep. the last one, yeah. Which was really awesome and uh, really funny, and these are just as funny. These uh, are really funny. You. So how did you decide on these particular characteristics, like, for example, Miss Overshare, or Little Miss Basic, or Mr. Humblebreck? How did you choose these characters? You know, there are just so many dysfunctions to choose from these days. I, I feel like the 21st century has spawned this whole new breed of dysfunctional person. And, right. I don't know, annoying behavior. Um, so, and yet they're all grounded in very traditional, timeless dysfunctions. Like, uh, for example, Mr. Selfie originally started out as Mr. Narcissistic Personality Disorder. <laughs> and the more that I thought about, well, wh who is that guy today? I thought, oh, he's the selfie guy with the selfie stick. Even though there's a thousand other people in, in the park, he's the one who's constantly taking pictures of himself. Um, and same with, with uh, Little Miss Overshare. It's just if you go on social media, which, of course, didn't exist when I used to read these as a kid, um, you can't help but encounter lots and lots of people out there who are oversharing. I mean, I, I think that I came up with the exact character the day that I turned on Facebook and saw a picture that this woman posted of her, her, her daughter's two teeth that she lost that night. She just, she just lost her two front teeth or something, but she posted the picture and it still had little bloody bits on it. And <laughs> you could see that little, too it was much. just, it was too much. It was too much. It's a little so, cob, really. It is, isn't it? But she was very proud. She was very proud. So that's where you sort of came up with these, these dysfunctional, but lovable characters. Right. I call them lovably dysfunctional. <laughs> and what part did you play in this, Tim? Um, well, I had uh, Dan as a professor back in 2012, and, you know, we'd stayed in touch since then. And when he was coming up with some of the characters, he shot me an email and said, you know, I'm kind of playing with, with some of these archetypes. And I, I believe that the first one that we talked about really was Mr. Humblebrag. Yeah, definitely. And, and that was a, a big moment where he was like, you know, these people where you run into them <laughs> and they're just talking about all the stuff they're doing. And I was like, you don't even have to run into those people anymore. 
you can run into those people on Facebook anytime, day or night, right. and know that they are somehow better than you, but they're still, uh, I think the hashtag is staying woke and staying hashtag blessed. And for some reason, that makes it acceptable to just run off at the mouth or the keyboard about whatever you're doing. And now we can hashtag everything when we hashtag talk about hashtag anything. It's, oh, of course. It's all about the hashtag hashtag. Somebody search, is there a hashtag Hashtag on <laughs> Twitter. I've, I've been through it before. It's it tends to be the people who are very angry that hashtags exist in the okay. first place. <laughs> All right. So there's an understanding behind it. What class, by the way, were uh, 2013 from Gabelli School of Business? And it was was it a writing class, a business class? It was a writing class. It was uh, humor and prose. So Dan, was your writing process for this um, similar parody series of books? How was that in relationship to how you wrote your other books? You know what was so great about writing these is I I wasn't writing about myself, except for maybe Mr. Humblebrag, <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Um, no, all of my other books, they covered specific phases of life uh, from post-college way on to Dan Gets a Minivan to fatherhood uh, from my perspective. And it was such a pleasure to not write about myself anymore. <laughs> It was it's it's been great. And the other thing that I really loved about this series, the it's called the Little Miss and Mister Me Me Me. Series. Oh, that's the name of the series. Yeah, because the all of the characters are just a little too self-involved. Um, what one thing I really loved about that process of writing this series was working with the illustrator Dylan Klimenko is his name, and he's in his late twenties and he is so talented and funny and he's very hip, unlike. The writer. So he and I, we have a great collaboration. Dan, can you read a little bit from uh, Mr. Selfie? I would love to. One day, Mr. Selfie set off for the zoo. He went straight to the most photogenic animal he could find. It was Jojo, the man-eating wildebeest. He could have asked someone to take his picture with Jojo in the background, but that would be too risky, wouldn't it? He knew that talking to strangers was dangerous. They might shoot his chin from the wrong angle. To play it safe, he jumped into Jojo's cage to get the shot himself. But there was just one problem. Jojo was camera shy. Extremely. Later, a kindly doctor checked his vital signs, and Mr. Selfie checked his Facebook. At that moment, he felt like one lucky fellow. His sympathy selfie was killing it. Mr. Selfie had lost a leg, yet he'd gained something far more valuable. A load of likes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, i got to play devil's advocate here. What's wrong, you know, with being in the pursuit of the perfect selfie, you know, where I look fabulous and I want to be liked on social media? We call them dysfunctional earlier, but what's wrong with that? No, there's, you know, everybody takes selfies. It's a thing... I got I don't there's nothing wrong with it. I just I've always found it very strange that when there are all of these other people around that um the selfie obsessed person, the Mr. Selfie, it's almost like doesn't realize that they exist. It's just him. It's just, and that's why the series is called Mr. Me Me Me, you know? And it, it's just it's funny to me that they won't speak to anyone else they won't you know that that human interaction is not an option no one's taking their picture except them i don't know about you but i mean I, the real reason i hate selfies is i just look terrible in anyone <laughs> how do you even get that perfect shot i have no idea 
I feel pretty, oh so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and gay, and I pity any girl who's in me today. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon, talking with humorist and author Dave Zevin. He has a new set of books called the Little Miss and Mr. Me, Me, Me parody series. It mimics the popular Mr. Men and Little Miss Children's book series. Also joining us is Fordham alum Tim Rosmus. He not only helped brainstorm the new series, he offers the millennial point of view on these big personalities with attributes that reflect their names. Again, right. playing devil's advocate, you know, when someone's glued to their cell phone camera or their selfie stick, how do you think that affects the way they might view the world? Let me ask you, Tim, because you're you're a young guy, and this is sort of your generation's thing, these right. selfies. So how do you think it affects people's worldview? I, I think that it is that layer of self-absorption that kind of removes you from the flow of whatever's going on around you know, everyone, everyone's going to have their, their self-portrait days or their selfie days or maybe just, like, you finally got that hairdo, like, look how cool this shirt is. Whatever you got, like, you throw them out from time to time. That makes sense. But when that's your main draw every day, all day, no matter what your activity, oh, that's got to get old. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> and to the people around you watching you work through, like, 80 different poses because you're standing in front of a zoo cage or a funny billboard, it's a little odd that you're investing so much time in such an odd angle. I thought this was a joke, but it wasn't. This selfie stick phenomenon, I researched it a little bit and found out the selfie stick started in Asia in like 2011 or something. Mm -hmm. And there was this young woman who took a smiling selfie at the Nazi concentration camp in Auschwitz. Yep. There was some teenager who snapped a smiling selfie in front of the 9-11 Memorial Museum and got a lot of backlash on that. And there are even some people I found out who take selfies at funerals. So is this an example of callousness and bad manners or is it just another shared experience that they're trying to share with their viewers slash Instagram slash Pinterest fans. Well, you know, Mr. Selfie has a scene in the book where he goes to Afghanistan. Right. And he wants to get a selfie from behind enemy lines. <laughs> so inappropriate, you decide. Or what would be the motivation for somebody to want to do that? Well, this character just takes it to extremes. Right. I mean, he's he's getting fired at work and he wants to take a selfie of the security guard who's escorting him out. Uh, he's he's in the zoo. He jumps into the cage with the with the wildebeest. And the goal is just to get more likes on his Facebook page. Yeah, that's what it's all about for Mr. Selfie. It's taking it to an extreme. And speaking to you... Not asking you to speak for your whole generation, but do you sort of see it the same way? Like it's I, I, important to get these likes. Yeah, it's likes are very much the, the currency of these pictures. You know, very few people are out there taking selfies so that they can like look at them on a rainy day by themselves or like <laughs> print them out and put them in a photo album. That's not at all the motivation. It is about, you know, and, and if you if you hang around certain crowds and certain people who do take the selfies often, you'll hear people say like, ah, that was a great picture. Like that got this many likes. And that is the measurement of it is kind of that, that social cash that comes through. And, you know, it makes a little bit more sense maybe from like a business angle where that's maybe how you're measuring people interacting with your brand. But when it's people interacting with you, that's a really weird way to do it to my eyes. <laughs> you know, I, I would prefer to talk to a person and if, they've forgotten who I am because I'm not standing in front of them. That's nice, actually. That's very not creepy and perfectly normal. So when, you know, every now and then you post those pictures and people will like it. And every now and then it's that person you really 
like you haven't spoken to in five years. Like you totally forgot you were on a youth league basketball team and then they go through like your Instagram or whatever and like five or eight pictures in a row and you're just like, Okay, should we go and get coffee? Like, are we? Catching oh no, up? no, no, no! I just wanted, I just wanted a, a very, quick like. It's a very passive aggressive way of being like, "Yo, we both exist," <laughs> and like throwing out points for that. And it's a very strange little interaction. <laughs> you said something that's really interesting. It's my brand being considered a brand is very new to me. Is that something that your generation sort of grew up with? Like, that's a part of who we are? I, I think that's becoming more and more prevalent, you know? And, and whether or not people consciously think of it that way or not, I think that it's kind of inescapable. Because, you know, once upon a time, you could live your entire life with relative anonymity. You know, you could live and die in a small town and have your friends and family, and those are the people who know you. But if you are on the internet and you're on social media and you make a post or put up a picture or what have you, and a handful of the right people see it, suddenly you're everywhere. And there's no way out of that net. And that's always on. You know, you may have your privacy settings and whatnot, but if enough people really want to share it, they're screen capping. There's plenty of ways to do it. And you see that, you know, more often than not, it's kind of the scandalous things where, like, someone will treat something stupid or something, you know, racially charged or whatnot, and there's that huge backlash. And it's, you know, in a lot of cases justified, in some cases definitely too much. But that is something that you have to be more and more aware of as you have all these platforms and all this reach. And suddenly you go like, do I really need to talk about, you know, X today? Do I really need to be discussing my opinions on certain presidential candidates? Getting back to what you were asking about um, the brand, it's not so much that you have a personality, you have a brand. And that's part of the parody in this book series, actually, because each of the characters are so completely one-dimensional that's all they do. Like all Ms. O Little Miss Overshare does is overshare over and over again. That's all. That's her brand. Mr. Selfie, that's all he does. Mr. Humbleberry. And unlike the original series where there's this character, whichever one it was, they learn a lesson. They learn to behave better. They all lived happily ever after. In my books, they're very happy. And at the end, like, in fact, their annoying behavior results in a happy ending. It gets them places. So Little Miss Overshare, the last page of the book, her boyfriend, Mr. Tactless, proposes to her and they get <laughs> married. Um, Mr. Selfie, like I said earlier, he gets all those likes. Mr. Humblebrag, Mr. Humblebrag, he wins this huge award given by the Academy of Humblebragging Arts and Sciences. Explain or describe or give me an example of what is a humblebrag. Okay, so a humblebrag is what you very often see on online, on social media, where someone is trying to self-promote, but doing it in a self-deprecating way so that they don't look like they're bragging. They look like they're humble. And I feel like it really worked for a while. Nobody quite noticed, but then it became a thing. And it's, it's often very obvious. And you can usually tell because somebody is saying something like, oh gosh, I feel so hashtag blessed that my son just got into Harvard. <laughs> or in Mr. Humblebrag's case, he's Oh, he he does everything. He humble brags about everything, but it's always, um, oh gosh, my Tesla cost a quadrillion dollars, so now I'm hashtag poor. But he, they want your sympathy, but they're bragging. He's basically like, I'm really, really rich enough to yeah. afford this. But. If ever you see something hashtag honored, 
Hashtag blessed, hashtag grateful, hashtag unworthy, hashtag so ashamed. Were, were you reading my Facebook page, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've done it too. Well, how else are you going to do it? You, you, you know, you feel proud of something you've done. Right. I've done it. Right. I'll tell you what's funny is that when I was working on this parody series, and they're just funny little books, but I took the the personality types really serious before I could be funny about them. And I was on the DSM website and like Psychology Today's definitions of narcissistic personality disorder. And they're all sort of connected, all of them. So Uh, how are they connected? Well, because all of these types of people, I think, are just different variations on self-absorption. And that's why the book series is called Little Miss and Mr. Me, Me, Me. It all comes back to that. You want the attention, but I guess if you're going to humble brag about it. Yeah, it's just sort of distasteful to just boast. So you have to boast, but in a in a very self-deprecating way. The way I put it in the book, Mr. Humblebrag, is everybody loves a winner as long as they act like a loser. Well, wait then. There seems like there's this underlying competitiveness, like, look how much money I made, look how pretty I am, look how I'm socially acceptable, look how many likes I have. Is it just a... a, a another level to our competitiveness as human nature as human beings i think it's it's all about just drawing attention to yourself in this culture of celebrity you know celebrity is a whole different has a whole different definition now youtube celebrities are more famous than old school celebrities let me ask you tim is the humble brag really a bad traitor simply a human nature to be competitive well, I think that, you know, there's there's certainly a nature to be competitive, but this the humble brag is trying to both post up your own accomplishments and not have anyone be able to call you a jerk for doing it. Because if you're really out there bragging about something, something cool really, really happens. Sure, go ahead. Spread that out. Be proud. That's cool. Catch yourself on the back. But someone should eventually be able to be like, all right, third parade you've thrown this week. Why don't you relax a little bit? And the humble brag kind of removes that person because that person then looks like they're attacking you because you're 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 blessed or whatever, and this is hashtag hum- blessed. You're hashtag blessed. I, I wouldn't want to lose that tracker. But there's an old football saying: you shouldn't be doing touchdown dances because the goal is to score and act like you've been there before. <laughs> now, one of the things I have to admit, one of your books that most perplexed me was Little Miss Basic. I read it three times because I'm going, what is a Little Miss Basic? So I literally had to go and get a group of Fordham students. I had a group of Fordham (laughs) students. I read uh, Little Miss Basic to them. And I was like, what is this? So explain to me, who is Little Miss Basic? I love that you read it to the Fordham students. And can I make a prediction? They knew in one they second. They knew in one right. second. I knew it. I knew and it. we actually had a yep. good a good discussion about the whole idea of, of Little Miss Basics and the different... I didn't know there were different variations of Little Miss Basics. <laughs> I didn't know she had to go to Starbucks and get the latte. And I read it in your book, but I'm like, why... Every one of them said Starbucks latte. Yep. So, well, it's actually the pumpkin spice yeah, latte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So help yeah. me understand what a Little Miss Basic is. Yeah, so Little Miss Basic is definitely the one that seems to have the, the widest generation gap here because it's a word that millennials coined, the basic, a basic. So what's a basic? I just started noticing all of these young women at Starbucks, I have to say, that looked exactly the same. They had black yoga pants. They had a black North Face jacket. It was always North Face. They had these big black sunglasses. 
they had they all look like the Olsen twins <laughs> and um always with the pumpkin spice latte on it and i just started noticing this type of person and i remember thinking i should try to come up with a character based on that and i also noticed they speak in that in that way that they're always speaking in questions do you know what i mean robin everything they say is like an upspeak literally they always say literally and I was talking to our babysitter about it, who's in her mid-20s, and she said, oh, you're talking about basics. <laughs> Do they, and I said, yeah, are the girl, they're always wearing Uggs. She goes, of course. Did you, did you know they were called that at the time? No, 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 no. She like... said, you're talking about basics. My original title for that kind of character was um, Little Miss Upspeak. Or or Little Miss Shallow. I wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure, but it's just sort of that trend bot that kind of mm-hmm. a consumer who just kind of very happily and enthusiastically buys into the whole thing, whatever right. trend she's supposed to do. And it is usually women. And the more that I sort of understood it and talked about it with <laughs> this babysitter of ours, Shauna, um, I realized it's just like when I was in my 20s, we had... Uh, we had Valley Girls, or we had the girl from Clueless. Remember Cher yep. from Clueless, yep. Alicia Silverstone? Mm-hmm. Same thing, different generation. Right. So you must be familiar with basics. Absolutely. Absolutely. Opinion on them? Um, one of the most inherently frustrating personality types that can possibly be encountered. <laughs> Why so? Um, severe. It, it, is, it is just, as, as Dan said, it is such a consumer buy-in personality and everything is based on on what i would describe as kind of a passive experience of all these things like i i I would not go out of my way to decry pumpkin spice lattes on their own existence perfectly fine whatever you could probably dissolve your teeth in it but and then then post them on facebook (laughs) of of course a little flex of blood and all uh you, you know there's nothing against the latte but it's the people who go and get them specifically to instagram them as like proof that they've done this you know, it seems like it's like their life is this one long checklist of consumer experiences, and that utterly mystifies me. Now, here's my question, though. Is it them, these basics, that are really the problem, or is it consumerism that's the problem? You have these advertisers that are advertising to these mm-hmm. specific types of people. Advertisers like to kind of group us together so they know what to try to sell us, and they just so happen to have a group of basics that they know what they want. <laughs> yeah. I think you get trapped in this horrific feedback loop where companies keep figuring out, you know, if we make a big deal out of this release and like hashtagging what you've gotten from us, people will keep doing it and they'll keep liking us and more people will add on to that pile. And you just end up with more and more and more people kind of caught up in that vortex. And it's really such a brilliant sort of a, a phrase now, this millennial phrase, basic, because it's perfect. It's these these young women they're so nondescript right that it's very hard to describe them that's why i had a a, a challenge trying to figure out wait so what's wrong with this person there's nothing particularly interesting they're average they're they're benign they're not they're not (laughs) awful they're in fact you know they're they're happy and cheerful and they're always at soul cycle and spinning and yoga and maybe there's this hype from all the coffee they're drinking (laughs) yeah they're just really high on on pumpkin spice lattes I actually had one of the students that I was talking to when they were helping me try to understand what is a basic. And she said, you know, I don't think it's fair necessarily to see them as something that's negative. Because like you said, these girls are just kind of happy and they're doing their own thing. 
and she appreciated that they didn't necessarily fit into a specific stereotype. Well, that's so interesting because I'll tell you, I I know what she's talking about because a lot of the people who have read that one, and it's a lot of young women who just aren't buying like five copies at a time for yeah. themselves and everyone of their friends, they own it. They, they own, own it. it. They, they claim own it. it. They're here. Right? Deal with them. It's been reclaimed. You know, it's uh. for for a while that was really something you could throw at people. For a while, it looked like that was become, going to become kind of the next hipster. You know, you, right. could, you could throw it at someone and really deflate them. And now you <laughs> chuck it at people, and they're just like, "Follow me." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they're very sheltered. So, Little Miss Basic in this book, you know, they're they're um, blissfully ignorant. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. And at the end, she sees a homeless person in the city. She's going into the city to get Froyo, one of the basics' favorite things. And she sees this homeless person, and he's lying on the sidewalk. And she's looking at him. And again, it's a parody, but the first thought in her head was, oh, he is doing Savasana pose. <laughs> you know, Do you like, know how to look world. that up? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Dan. The You're not a yoga in, person? The teacher in you still came out because I was like, what? Let me go look that yes. up. <laughs> These are very instructional books. Not just satires, but commentary. You make us think. It's a yoga pose, correct? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she also, you know, was happy that when he was talking about being hungry, that she's like, oh my gosh, I want a diet too, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very concerned with their weight. Yeah. One of the one of the fun things that I find with this series is that even though it's it's Mister and Little Miss, these are not necessarily uh, gendered personalities, and I think it's interesting, particularly with basics, is usually that conjures this image of of the girls that are out there in kind of the uniform. But a lot of what we were talking about with them kind of being this harmless kind of blend into the background is there is absolutely male basics. They absolutely exist. They, you see them everywhere, but you see so many of them that they just kind of fade away. So what are they called, though? Because I was thinking, you know, I'm writing a whole bunch of these. Now, this is the first four, but there's another four coming out. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I just love writing these. And I was actually thinking, Tim, about what is the male version of basic? I haven't heard a prevalent kind of term for them. We Again, should come up with it. Because they just sort of right fade. Now. They're like, they're like the, the cosmic interference that you get well, when you point something Well, can you describe what they look like? What do they wear? They the probably bought their whole outfit from Jack Threads or a similar website where you can basically... It's basically the equivalent of going into a store and pointing at a mannequin and going, that, okay. I want that. It is it is the latest trend. It is usually not the right cut for their body type. You see a lot of bigger gentlemen in, in joggers and tapered pants. You see a lot of smaller gentlemen in larger shirts. You know, where the Miss Basic uh, seems to reside in Starbucks, Mr. Basic seems to live in the gym and in mirror selfies. And that seems, if anything's going to pull him out of the shadows, it's the mirror selfie. Because well, maybe, that more than anything is is really what people hate, of is guys taking pictures of themselves in the gym, in a mirror, usually posed with the shirt pulled up or something. Yeah, Mr. CrossFit would be a great one. Yeah, that right. that might be the closest to That's Mr. Closest. Basic right Mr. now. Mr. CrossFit. That is very much a cult mentality. Yeah. Well, let me ask this about oversharing. Um, so... What do you say to an oversharer who might just be reaching out for human contact? I mean, there's this idea that because of social media, we have more people in our lives, but they're not really meaningful in our lives because they're on this mechanism. So what do you say to people who are using this as a way to reach out for human contact? There's just such a difference between sharing and oversharing because oversharing is so aggressive. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just little Miss and Mr. Me, me, me. 
They're not sharing to bond with you and communicate and reach out. They're sharing because they want to talk about themselves, everything about themselves. And, it, you know, it, it is aggressive and it's it's inappropriate. Yeah, it's, it's like the Catskill comedian response of any joke ending with, can you believe that? <laughs> they don't actually want you to engage with what they've said. They just want you to kind of verify that, yes, it's been heard. You had a thing that happened. So let me ask you, Tim, what's the cure for getting someone to stop oversharing? Uh, it depends on the medium. You know, a, a large part of it you see on on social media and you see it from people, you know, not to, not to throw Dan under the bus because I'm sure that he's not guilty of it, but you see a lot of new parents or younger parents kind of oversharing with the kids and, you know, is their first lost tooth, like you said, or like... I, I saw a couple months ago someone posted a picture of a toilet, and thank, thankfully it was closed, <laughs> but that was their child's successful potty training. And I, I muted that person on the timeline. Yeah, and that's, that's that just, seems to be like the one example. you have to defend against the most, is you can mute them on the timeline, you can unfollow them, usually if you're not related to them. So it's just a way to, to separate yourself from them, but not necessarily right. to say, hey, stop that. And, and worse to worse, you can close the window and maybe go to the bar or something, or just get away from that screen. Yeah, it's just that um, that phrase, too much information, TMI, and Little Miss Overshare on the cover of, of the book has a microphone, and instead of saying, like, the name of the network news show on the microphone, it says TMI, like it's WTMI, <laughs> and she's just broadcasting everything. I'd like to thank my guest, Dan Zevin. His parody series, Little Miss Overshare, Mr. Selfie, Little Miss Basic, and Mr. Humblebrag are out now by Three River Press. I'd also like to thank Tim Rosmus. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. I